This is Carol McLeod, and you're listening to A Jolt of Joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm delighted to go digging for gold with you in the unmatched, powerful, restorative, and miraculous Word of God. Hey, if you wanted to know one thing about me, this would be the one thing. I love the Bible. As I look back at my life, nothing has had a more profound effect on my life than the Word of God has had. I was raised in a stable, loving Christian home, and I know that experience was an incredible gift, and not everyone has that gift. But even being raised in a stable, loving Christian home wasn't the most incredible gift that I've ever been given. I've been married to a man of God for over 40 years, and I know what a blessing that is. And I know that not everyone has that blessing. But even my Christian marriage is not the most incredible blessing that I've ever been given. I've been given the undeserved gift of being able to raise five wonderful kids. But not everyone has that blessing of motherhood, and even motherhood is not the most lasting blessing that I've been given. We all have the Bible. Nothing will solidify your life like the Word of God will do. We all have the Bible. Nothing will strengthen you like the Word of God can. We all have the Bible. Nothing will set you in your destiny like the Word of God will. We all have the Bible. Nothing will delight you or fulfill you like the Word of God will. You know, all of our lives have a theme. What What's the theme of your life? The theme of Billy Graham's life was salvation. You can go to heaven by knowing Jesus Christ. The theme of Hitler's life was hate and bitterness and bigotry and pride and anger and cruelty and evilness. The theme of Abraham Lincoln's life was that all men are created equal and that freedom is worth fighting for. The theme of David's life was worship and praise. The theme of Mother Teresa's life was compassion and mercy. The theme of Charles Darwin's life was that man came from monkeys. The theme of your life is your legacy. It's what people will remember you for. All of our lives have a theme. What is the theme of your life? The theme of Paul's life in the New Testament was that you can have joy no matter what your circumstances look like. Let's dig into Philippians chapter 4 today and see what Paul has to say about it. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice. If anyone had a right to complain, it was Paul. If anyone had a right to talk about how depressed he was, it was Paul. If anyone had a right to complain about God, about life, about unfair treatment, about lack of destiny, it was Paul. But instead, he declares, rejoice. What a man. I love this Paul, don't you? Paul was telling us, instructing us for generations to come that our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. Oh, that's so good. Let me say it again. Our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. You know, the most 
Emotionally healthy people know that we serve a God who will bring good out of everything. Joy, the fruit of the Spirit, knows that God will bring good out of everything, out of every relationship, out of every prison, and out of every challenge. Paul is instructing us today, rejoice in the Lord. There's always something to be grateful about, my friends. If you can't find joy, if joy has eluded you, if joy is playing hide and seek with you, make a list of things to be grateful about because thanksgiving and joy are not so very far apart, are they? When you're a thankful person, you will also be a joyful person. Now, I'm not saying pretend to be happy and that everything will be okay. I'm saying find your joy in the Lord. Trust Him to work your circumstances together for good. Be grateful, be kind to somebody, and stand on the Word of God. Your power to overcome in life is found in your ability to choose joy. You will never walk in the victory that God has planned for you until you walk Enjoy. When you can't do anything else, when nothing else is working for you, put on worship music and sing. Command yourself to rejoice in the Lord. Say, Self, today you are going to rejoice in the Lord. Make rejoicing in the Lord a discipline of your life, just like brushing your teeth. If you never brushed your teeth, you wouldn't have very many friends, would you? And if you refuse to rejoice, you will never be strong. Paul goes on to say, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. If we really believed that the Lord was near to us, we would treat people differently, wouldn't we? If we really believed that Jesus was listening into every conversation, we would talk differently, wouldn't we? We would never again be harsh in our words or in our actions. You know what? Sit down for a minute because I want to tell you something. It might be a surprise to you. Your opinion matters a lot less than you think it does. What matters is how you treat others. What matters is being gentle with them. This word gentle includes not taking revenge, and not showing destructive behavior to someone who has hurt you. Gentleness is the idea of being gracious and understanding someone's weaknesses. We we think what it's going to take to get the other person to change is for us to demand that they change. We think that ventilating our opinions of all the reasons why we're right and they're wrong is going to help them change and see things our way. But but maybe, my friend, maybe God really does know best, and gentleness will be what encourages them to change. If you don't know how to respond to someone, be gentle. When somebody gets on your nerves, be gentle. When somebody treats you wrongly, be gentle. The Lord is near, watching and listening, observing. When I was battling cancer, I had all kinds of nurses, loud ones, ones who never said a word to me. I had efficient, experienced nurses, and I had nurses who were just beginning their career path. I had rough nurses and gentle nurses. But my favorite nurses of all were those who were gentle, who were kind and tender and merciful. Their gentleness reminded me that the Lord was near to me. And you know, it's especially when a person is in pain 
that they need someone to be gentle with them. And then Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul goes on in his coaching of us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, because we're humans, we all have moments when anxiety begins to creep in and tries to seize the life out of our hearts. Some people are so controlled by fear that they pray fretful prayers rather than faith-filled prayers. Have you had moments in life when you've prayed more out of fretfulness than you have out of faith? Well, I'm here to remind you today that God doesn't respond to your worries. He responds to your faith. And Paul and the Holy Spirit are in agreement as Christians, as believers in Christ, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we should be anxious for nothing. Nothing should cause anxiety in our hearts. This word anxious is the Greek word merimnao, and it means to be troubled, to be anxious, to be fretful, to be worried about something. This word merimnao was also used by Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 25, when he said, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. When Jesus said, take no thought, he said, merimnao, don't be worried. Stop worrying about your life. These are the words of Jesus. That means that if you do worry, it's a sin. If you are anxious, it's a sin. Jesus said, stop worrying about your life, about the daily necessities of life, about the things that you need, about what you can see, about your circumstances. Don't be worried. So, when Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, to be anxious for nothing, he is pleading with us not to be worried about our circumstances. Now, he says, be anxious for nothing. This phrase, for nothing, is the Greek word meden, M-E-D-E-N, and it means absolutely nothing. Nothing, not one thing, should cause a believer to worry, to be anxious, or to panic. My friend, we're not worriers, we're believers. Believing is what we do the best. We believe in a God who works all things together for good. Don't be worried about anything, and that means nothing at all. Now then, Paul goes on to say, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So this word prayer, and everything by prayer, it means getting face-to-face with God. It means putting yourself in His presence, because in His presence, worries don't seem so worrisome, do they? I dare you to have the audacity to worry in His presence. It's not going to happen when you're looking at Him face-to-face. So pray. Go to Him in prayer. Enjoy Him. Get close to God in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, this word supplication is different than the word prayer. 
supplication is describing a person who's in some type of lack in his life, and he or she is pleading strongly for his lack to be met, to beseech, to beg, to earnestly appeal, crying out to God, help, help God, I need you. Supplication is a passionate, earnest, heartfelt, and sincere prayer. So get very bold when you ask God to move on your behalf. I arm myself with the word when I go into his presence. I I declare the scriptures that I'm standing on. I remind God of what he has said. That's supplication. Paul said, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Did you know that God expects you to thank him in advance for being good to you? God, I thank you right now that you meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. God, I thank you right now that my prodigal is coming home. God, I thank you right now that I'm going to walk in my destiny tomorrow and every day of my life. When we earnestly ask God to do something on our behalf, it must be followed with earnest thanksgiving, a heartfelt outpouring of thanks. Be just as passionate in your thanksgiving as you were in your supplication. Be just as loud in your thanksgiving as you were in your begging. Thank God loudly. So, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests. Now, this word requests means to be adamant in request and demanding assistance. You are calling 911 and you're saying, you better get here right now because we've got trouble and we need you. When God's word is in your heart, you can ask boldly. You can ask courageously and even audaciously because you already know that his word is what he wants to do. We find the will of God in the word of God, so pray the word of God. So in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Declare to God what you need. Tell him what you're lacking. Find a scripture and stand on it. Beg earnestly. Thank him passionately. Declare it to the heavens, to God, to the angels, and to every demon in hell. Declare the word of God. Make it known unto God. Declare, God, you heal all my diseases. God, you provide for me according to your riches and glory. God, it is not your will that one should perish. God, you are near to the brokenhearted. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you can abolish your worries like this, you get a gift, a reward, a trophy from heaven itself. Because Philippians 4, 7, the next verse says, and then... The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Greeks believed that your mind determined the condition of your life. Your mind is command central for every other area of your life. And God's peace surpasses the control that your mind has on your life. This word surpasses that we read, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension is translated in the highest sense. God's peace 
trumps your mind. It is unequal to anything else. God's peace is better than, superior to, and more than a match for your worrying brain. That's why you better quit worrying, pray, supplicate, give thanks, request, and make known, because you are in for such a rare treasure. You are in for God's peace. God's peace not only surpasses your understanding, but it will also keep watch or guard your mind. So when Paul says it will guard your mind, it was a military term, and it was a word picture of soldiers standing faithfully to guard and control all who went in and out of a city. No one entered or exited without their approval. And God's peace acts like a guard and monitors everything that tries to get into our hearts and minds. Nothing can get beyond God's peace. When God's peace is standing guard at the gatepost of your mind and heart, the devil has lost his access key. He doesn't know the code. He can't get through. He has lost his access to your emotions and to your mind. God's peace surrounds the heart and mind of a believer who believes, just like soldiers surround a city. God's peace will keep fretfulness, worry, anxiety, and cares from breaking into your life. What is inside of you, my friend, rules you, and peace will rise up and conquer every other marauding thought. Don't allow the devil to put you into a tizzy. You have the steps. Now walk in them. Walk in them. Quit worrying. Pray. Supplicate. Give thanks, request, and make known, and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Thank you for joining me on A Jolt of Joy today. You know, my highest delight in life is to share the Word of God with the women of my generation. If you need a speaker or Bible teacher for your next event, I'd love to hear from you and talk to you about that possibility. You can reach me at Carol at carolmccloudministries.com. And I always love to hear from you, my listeners and my friends. So feel free to email me with your comments or your prayer requests at carol at carolmccloudministries.com. As always, I'm praying that the joy of the Lord will fill your life and your heart today. I hope that you'll join me next time on A Jolt of Joy.